Welcome to Storytime with Kurt. In each episode, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and just chill out while I read Tom Swift and His Motorcycle by Victor Appleton. So, previously on Chapter 6 of Tom Swift and His Motorcycle, basically, we got the motorcycle purchased. Tom was riding his bike, broke down, and was approached by a car. And the car had one of the mysterious men from Mansburg, who, once they recognized him and figured out who he was, freaked out and went back to Mansburg. And welcome back to Tom Swift and His Motorcycle. Chapter 7. Off on a Spin. Tom's first impulse was to run after the automobile, the red tail light of which glowed through the blackness like a ruby eye. Then he realized that it was going from him at such a swift pace that it would be impossible to get near it, even if his bicycle was in working order. But if I had my motorcycle, I'd catch up to him, he murmured. As it is, I must hurry home and tell Dad. This is another link in the queer chain that seems to be winding around us. I wonder who that man was, and what he wanted by asking so many personal questions about Dad. Trundling his wheel before him, with the chain dangling from the handlebar, Tom splashed on through the mud and rain. It was a lonesome, weary walk, tired as he was with the happenings of the day, and the young inventor breathed a sigh of thankfulness as the lights of his home shone out in the mist of the storm. As he tramped up the steps of the side porch, his wheel bumping along ahead of him, a door was thrown open. Why, it's Tom, exclaimed Mrs. Baggert. Whatever happened to you? And she hurried forward with a kindly solicitude. Wow, that's a word you don't hear much. She hurried forward with kindly solicitude for the housekeeper was almost a second mother to the youth. Chain broke, answered the lad laconically. Where's Dad? Out in the shop, but working his latest invention, I expect. But are you hurt? Oh, no. I fell easily. The mud was like a feather bed, you know, except that it isn't so good for the clothes. And the young inventor looked down at his splashed and bedraggled garments. Mr. Swift was very much surprised when Tom told him of the happening on the road and related the conversation and the subsequent alarm of the man on the on learning Tom's identity. Who do you suppose he could have been, Dad? asked Tom when he had finished. I'm pretty certain he was one of the crowd of financiers who Anson Morse seemed to be a representative, said Mr. Swift. Are you sure the man was one of those who saw you in the restaurant? Positive. I had a good look at him both times. Do you think he imagined he could come here and get possession of some of your secrets? I hardly know what to think, Tom, but we'll take every precaution. We'll set the burglar alarm wires, which I've neglected for some time, as I fancied everything would be secure here. Then I'll take my plans and the model of the turbine motor into the house. I'll run no chances tonight. Mr. Swift, who was adjusting some of the new bolts that Tom had brought home that day, began to gather up his tools and material. I'll help you, Dad, said Tom, and he began connecting the burglar alarm wires, there being an elaborate system of them about the house, shops, and grounds. I I often wonder, when we're talking a burglar alarm and wires, what does that mean? Is it like literally a bunch of wires that are strewn about that have like bells attached to them? Is there any like electricity aspect to it? 
I, I I really wonder what this looks like. I want to I want to believe that it's like bells on the ends of strings and things, and when people trip on them, you hear the alarm. Neither Tom nor his father slept well that night. Several times, one or the other of them arose, thinking they heard unusual noises, but it was only some disturbance caused by the storm, and morning arrived without anything unusual having taken place. The rain still continued, and Tom, looking from his window and seeing the downpour, remarked, I'm glad of it. Why? asked his father, who was in the next room. Because I have a good excuse for staying in and working on my motorcycle. But you must do some studying, declared Mr. Swift. I will hear you in mathematics right after breakfast. All right, Dad, I guess you'll find I have my lessons. Tom had graduated with honors from a local academy, and when it came to a question of going further in his studies, he'd elected to continue with his father for a tutor instead of going to college. Wow, that is unexpected. I would have expected the college aspect of this thing to be important, um, especially back then. But, uh, wow, it's not much different than decisions that people make now, right? Now, Mr. Swift was a very learned man, and this arrangement was satisfactory to him as it allowed Tom more time at home so he could aid his father on the inventive work and also plan things for himself. Tom showed a taste for mechanics, and his father wisely decided that such training as his son needed could be given at home to better advantage than in a school or a college. Lessons over, Tom hurried on to his own particular shop and began taking apart the damaged motorcycle. First, I'll straighten the handlebars, and then I'll fix the motor and transmission, he decided. The front wheel I can buy in town, as this one would hardly pay for repairing. Tom was soon busy with wrenches, hammers, pliers, screwdriver. He was in his element and was whistling over his task. The motor he found in good condition, but it wasn't such an easy task as he had hoped to change the transmission. He had finally to appeal to his father in order to get the right proportion between the back and front gears, for the motorcycle was operated by a sprocket chain instead of a belt drive, as is the case with some. Mr. Swift showed Tom how to figure out the number of teeth needed on each sprocket in order to get an increase of speed. And as there was a sprocket wheel from a disused piece of machinery available, Tom took that. He soon had it in place and then tried the motor. To his delight, the number of revolutions of the rear wheel were increased about 15%. I guess I'll make some speed, he announced to his father. But it will take more gasoline to run the motor, don't forget that. You know the great principles of mechanics, that you can't get out of the machine any more than you can put into it nor quite as much, as a matter of fact, for considerable is lost through fr friction. Well then, I'll enlarge the gas tank, declared Tom. I want to go fast where I'm going. He reassembled the machine, and after several hours of work, had it in shape to run, except that a front wheel was lacking. I think I'll go into town and get another one, he remarked. The rain isn't quite so hard now. In spite of his father's mild objections, Tom went, using his bicycle, the chain of which he had quickly repaired. He found just the front wheel needed, and that night his motorcycle was ready to run.
but it was too dark to try it, especially as he had no good lantern, the one on the cycle having been smashed, and his own bicycle light not being powerful enough. So, he had to postpone his trial trip until the next day. He was up early the following morning and went out for a spin before breakfast. He came back with a flushed cheeks and bright eyes, just as Mr. Swift and Mrs. Baggert were sitting down to the table. To Reedville and back, announced Tom proudly. What, a round trip of thirty miles? exclaimed Mr. Swift. That's what, declared his son. I went like a greased pig most of the way. I had to slow up going through Mansburg, but the rest of it... Uh, the, but the rest of the time, I let it out for all it was worth. You must be careful, cautioned Tom's father. You're not an expert yet. No, I realize that. Several times when I wanted to slow up, I began to backpedal, forgetting that I wasn't on my bicycle. Then I thought to shut off the power and put on the brake. But it's glorious fun. I'm going out again as soon as I have something to eat. That is, unless you want me to help you, Dad. No, not this morning. Learn to ride the motorcycle. It may come in handy. Neither Tom nor his father realized what an important part the mo machine was. <clears throat> wow, what an important part the machine was soon to play in their lives. Tom went out for another spin after breakfast, and in a different direction. He wanted to see what the machine would do on a hill and there was a long, steep one about five miles from home. The roads were in fine shape after the rain, and he speeded up the incline at a rapid rate. It certainly does eat up the road, the lad murmured. I have improved this machine considerably. Wish I could take out and pattern on it. Reaching the crest of the slope, he started down the incline. He turned, the power off, part of, he turned off part of the power, and was gliding along joyously. Now, this is—they've said this a few times, and yeah, I'm taking a little bit of an aside here. Um, there must have been some common practice of, like, turning off the power of the motorcycle when you coast, I guess, because they—they've mentioned this a few times. In fact, that was part of the crash. The guy couldn't turn off the power while he was going. That seems a little odd to me. I wonder what the science is behind that. So back to our story. He turned off part of the power and was gliding along joyously when from a crossroad he suddenly saw, turn into the main highway, a mule drawing a ramshackle wagon loaded with fence posts. Beside the animal walked an old colored man. Okay, so this is another aside. Um, I have heard that some of the language here was written of its time and how uh, the book refers to African Americans um, gets a little, well, not going to even say a little, it gets, it gets racist. Um, the terms that they were used are clearly not acceptable now. Um, I am going to read what is written. We can talk about it if you like, but uh, as it as it stands, this is just the way it's written. So, um, if it if it offends people, I'm sorry. Uh, but I think it's uh, important for the story and for the time to just 
read it the way it's written. Back to the story. I hope he gets out of the way in time, thought Tom. He's moving slow as molasses, and I'm going a bit faster than I'd like. Guess I'll shut off and put on the brakes. The mule and the wagon were now squarely across the road. Tom was coming nearer and nearer. He turned the handle grip, controlling the supply of the gasoline, and to his horror, he found that it was stuck. He couldn't stop the motorcycle. Look out! Look out! cried Tom. Get out of the way! I can't stop! Let me pass you! The man looked up. He saw the approaching machine, and he seemed to lose possession of his senses. Whoa, boomerang, cried the man. Whoa, something's going to happen. That's what, muttered Tom desperately, and as he thought, saw that there was not room for him to pass without going into the ditch, a proceeding that would mean an upset. Pull out of the way, he yelled again. But either the driver couldn't understand, or he didn't appreciate the necessity. The mule stopped and reared up. The man hurried to the head of the animal to quiet. Whoa, boomerang. Just just stand still, he said. Tom, with a great effort, managed to twist the grip and finally shut off the gasoline. But it was too late. He struck the man with the front wheel. Fortunately, the youth had managed to somewhat reduce his speed by a quick application of the brake, or the result might have been serious. As it was, the man was gently lifted away from the mule's head and tossed into the long grass into the ditch. Tom, by a great effort, succeeded in maintaining his seat and saddle and then bringing the machine to a stop. He leaped off and turned back. The man was sitting up, looking dazed. Whoa, boomerang, he, he murmured. Something's happened. But the mule, who had quieted down, only waggled his ears lazily, and Tom, ready to laugh, now that he saw he had not committed manslaughter, hurried to where the colored man was sitting. And that's the end of chapter 7. All right, so before we finish this, um, that whole thing I said about reading the original language, uh, frankly, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm going to substitute words that make sense to the story but won't affect the story. Um, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not reading exactly what's written. I am going to read what's necessary. And if that offends people on the other side, I apologize. Uh, but it's better this way from my perspective. And it's more uh, appropriate to today. Uh, I, I just am not going to feel comfortable reading it. If I was reading this to my kids... I would absolutely be substituting these words. Um, I said colored man twice. That'll be the last time I say that. Um, I'm just going to refer to him as a man. Uh, so if you don't like it, then please don't listen. I, I apologize. No, I don't apologize for that. No, I don't. If you don't like it, please don't listen. Uh, if you do, if, if you're okay with the way it's going, please continue to listen. That's all I care about. So, uh, that is the end of chapter seven and that's where we're going to end things tonight so thank you so much for listening